Chester Copperpot! Don't you guys see? Don't you realize? He was a pro! He never made it this far. Look how far we've come. We've got a chance. Chance at what, Mikey? Getting killed? Look, if we keep going, someone's really gonna get hurt. Maybe dead. Besides, we gotta get to the police. Maybe Chunk already got to the police. Maybe Chunk is dead. Don't say that! Never say that! Goonies never say die! I'm not a Goonie. I wanna go home. I forgot. But still! Don't you realize? The next time you see Sky, it'll be over another town. The next time you take a test, it'll be in some other school. Our parents, they want the best of stuff for us. But right now they gotta do what's right for them. Cause it's their time. Their time. Up there. Down here, it's our time. It's our time down here. That's all over the second we ride up Troy's bucket. Scott, if your life had a face, I would punch it. Yeah. Wait, what? Let me ask you something. Why would always you make the point of saying someone's not a genius? Do you think I'm especially not a genius? Veronica, why are you pulling my dick? Suck my fat one, you cheap dime store hood. Hello everyone and welcome to another installment of the greatest moments in the history of forever. I'm Zach. I'm Matt. And this is episode number 90, The Goonies. Yes, very big. It's been a long time coming for this one. Really? Uh, Two plus years at this flashing point. Flashing back to the first episode, really. This is probably the movie that I watched most as a kid right after Mighty Ducks 2. <laughs> Which is weird, the, and I think we may have talked about this on the show before, or at least possibly a killer cinema episode, that we both have a similar memory, or we both have a similar experience where we each had taped uh, versions of this off a free Disney Channel weekend. Right. Yeah. And um, I think we can definitely spend some time with that. But um, <laughs> Certainly. Yeah, I would say that any of the movies that our little sound clips are pulled from at the, for our big intro. hitters those are like ones that have always been you know kind of out there on the horizon of the show and that one day we would get to them and now right. we're here we are with goonies <laughs> yeah it only took 90 episodes to get to but which is obviously the big last clip you know right before you jump right into the us talking right <laughs> and uh, ruining it very quick to get to i would say when choosing the clips for the intro. Oh yeah, this has been a a, a favorite line of ours True. for the last few years. Right, pre podcast. Really going back to the uh, thirty one days of horror, our little horror movie fest that we used to have. That's right, and we'll be coming back. I'm sure that doesn't really make any sense to anyone, but yeah. Well, true listeners, I think know that we've talked about it before. 
<laughs> no, I mean the fact, not, oh, not the, the existence yeah. of the 31 days of horror. Right. Like, what does that line have to do with anything? But True. It doesn't. No. But anyway. <laughs> That's the beauty. Um, so thank you for downloading and listening to the show. You can interact with us on Twitter at GreatestPod. And, um, you know, we're just doing our thing and getting really pumped up because, I mean, I know that not every we podcast pumped up. really likes to just build up to their 100th episode starting so early, but we're really just blown away by the fact that we've done this many episodes really, and we've as been soon going as for we two hit, years. Uh, 50, I would say. We were on the countdown to 100. Yeah, it was like, well, we got to 50, let's get to 100. Let's see what happens. I just think it's shocking because we've tried various other podcasts in our lives, and I mean, I think Killer Cinema, what did we do? I don't know how many we got up to. Probably yeah, in the 30s. 40 something, yeah. Between 30 and 40, I And think. we had like zero listeners. Yeah. So the fact that we have any listeners for this is kind of exciting. That is true. I will say uh, getting listener feedback has certainly been one of the things that's kept it going. Now, uh, granted, that is kind of tapered off. True. <laughs> over so, the two years, but... We you could know. be in trouble again. What? But I don't know. I'm feeling a lot of energy. I'm feeling good about the show. There was kind of a spike in downloads recently. Yeah. Uh, so, so if you're new to the show, thanks for joining in. Um, reach out to us on Twitter if you want to. And so, yeah, let's get into The Goonies, which I, you know, is obviously a, an important film for both of us and yeah. for many people of our generation. And can I say right off the bat, as we get into this, uh, something that I kind of said at the start of this yesterday or early into the movie. Well, it's a movie that I did watch so many times as a kid but I've kind of taken a break from in my adult years. This was the first time I had watched it in quite a long time. I don't own it on Blu-ray. I'm now reconsidering that. I've kind of fallen victim to uh, just people telling me that they really don't like the Goonies, that they're not into it. But like 20 minutes into the movie, I'm like, no, this is like, I understand. I think people kind of push that, like the, hey, you guys thing and are like, oh, yeah, it's just, like, a annoying and novelty or whatever. But this is... I think this is a good movie. I mean, it... it and you certainly see, like, some of the kind of Stranger Things ties in there, too, oh, yeah. with the kids riding Obviously. their bikes. I, yeah, right. And I'm just like... and But people love Stranger Things, of course. Yeah, I mean, I... I I don't I obviously mean, this movie's not hated on, but I just feel like over the years I know what you mean though. There there's this kind of anti Goonies movement that goes on. Well, I think it's because the Goonies um is so beloved and so put up on a pedestal by so many people that that it's just natural that there's a little bit of an undercurrent of a backlash where people are like, It's not that great. Right. Which uh, I mean is only natural, but it's completely wrong. I mean, they don't make things like this anymore true and we were just the other day you know we happened to catch a few minutes of back to the future part two which is something we did an audio commentary for way back when i don't even think we talked about it then and we i don't think we talked about it even when we did home alone but home alone and back to the future movies and the goonies and the john hughes movies even and you know, like uh, Lucas or, or or some of those movies with the Corys and whatnot and just like Stand By Me and, and all these things. It's like they don't make 
well, granted, Stand By Me right. is rated R, but yeah. they don't make like kids' movies or movies with kids in them or family-type movies that way anymore where they just kind of talk in a more in a very real kind of way and there's things that are sloppy swearing yeah it's or or even just like there's tons of shit in the goonies the new it kind of felt like it had shades of this a little bit no the I, i i think you're not understanding what i mean not not like the language that they use but like okay so in the goonies there there are probably like a hundred things that would never make a movie today and not because they're inappropriate and not for not for like content but because the studio would think like nobody understands what this is nobody knows what this means nobody knows you're not explaining this this isn't you know what i mean it's very like there's a certain there's a certain like fly by the seat of our pants kind of feel to these movies which is good like if you didn't like do a little bit of back research into the Goonies, you wouldn't even understand what the Goonies even means. They just kind of refer to themselves as that a little bit. Oh, I certainly didn't know what it meant for years. I don't think I knew what it meant until I saw it on Wikipedia way later in life. Like I never caught even in once you're aware, there's a line where he mentions the goon docs. Right. But it's not easy to catch on to what, the Goonies are and that yeah and that's just like the most glaring example because it's the name of the movie and it's the name of their group or whatever but like you know they all live in this place called the Goondocks and they're like this group of kind of kids that are friends but they're kind of like outcasts and they're kind of like lower middle class and whatnot and there's like a whole like Goonies oath that they take which didn't even you know that was cut I don't even think they filmed it because it's not in the deleted scenes, but it certainly was in the script. And it's like, there's just no way that this stuff would make it through nowadays because people would be like, this doesn't make sense. You don't explain it. But like, that's what makes things like this great is the little details. Like this, it's the speci- the specific things, like the specificity of like yeah. life that makes these things unique, which then makes them universal because people, even if they can't di- like directly relate to it, they relate to it in the sense that they have inside jokes and, oh, and right. little sayings and little things they do. Like they have, you know, Chunk do the truffle shuffle or whatever. Yeah. And the implication is that's something he's done a million times right. and that he doesn't want to do because it's embarrassing or whatever. But there's no explanation to it. It's just oh, like yeah, something yeah. that Mouth makes him do early in the film and it's never brought up again and it's never brought up before that. It's never explained. There's no backstory to it. And just happens, and it's like the movie's full of like inside jokes and references yeah. to it, the characters. There is a legitimate amount of laugh out loud moments in this movie too, like way more than I remembered. Really, I mean, there's a lot of funny lines in the movie. Oh yeah, it's it's a really funny script, and a couple of characters I think really take the cake. Number one, obviously, Chunk. Yeah, who is just a dream, right? Just so funny. <laughs> Yeah, uh, and before we get like too deep into it, just to, to go uh, a little bit further into what I was saying, it's like, for me, there's just so much to this movie to like. It's just kind of got that kind of weird, dark 80s feel to it as well. Like the, the aesthetic taking place in the Pacific Northwest. And again, I said it, like I watched this a lot as a kid and Kindergarten Cop. Pretty sure they both take place in Astoria. <laughs> uh, and I, I didn't even know where they were when I was a kid. 
But I was like, yeah, I, I want to be there. I, I, I just love kind yeah, of I the mean, aesthetic and feeling of where they are. Yeah, certainly the on-location filming kind of adds to that same uh, aesthetic that I'm talking about with, like, the specificity with the dialogue and the characters and the inside jokes and just, like... And you commented on it, too, and I've I've always felt this way, and sometimes I hear songs that remind me of it. The original score is just great. That weird kind of dark mystic music at times. Yeah, it's a it's a really cool score. It's it's got a fun soundtrack, obviously, with Cindy Lauper, which you're probably hearing underneath us right now. Oh or yeah. maybe it ended already. And but. I'm sure I mean, that's the thing. Anytime if we're on the fence, it's just like throw some Cindy into the mix. <laughs> but really yeah. just what a great original theme song. Yeah, I mean <laughs> I don't know. Um, I don't really need that, you know, extended version of it, nor need to hear it play over and over for the two music videos, apparently, that exist for it. Yeah, I mean, honestly, I don't think we need to spend, like, that much more time mounting a defense for the Goonies. I think most people appreciate it. And if, you know, and if you don't, then you're wrong. And I well, don't know what yeah. to tell you. I'm just saying, and, and listen... We can it's just certainly a fun get into kid adventure movie. Yeah, and I mean, look, uh, there's going to be some trashings to be had here. <laughs> don't get it twisted. But uh, yeah, I don't know. I just, I watch it and I was like, you know, I think this is a pretty good movie. There's parts that certainly annoy me, but you're always going to have that. Yeah, and I mean, I, I think it speaks to kind of the heart of the movie and kind of the overall feeling of it that it still succeeds so well despite the fact that you know there are a litany of issues with audio dubbing and plot things that are weird and and like cut sequences that are referenced later and i mean tons of things that like if the movie was a disaster people would point to as like easy issues with it and being like well here's another thing that's wrong and blah 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 but it's like the movie just ends up like working us. so well that like none of those things even matter. Oh yeah, it's like why was there six weeks of audio dubbing done to this film? I I don't know. It's like what were they you know not properly mic'd during filming? I I don't understand. But some it, of sometimes it's like blatantly obvious, and other times it's kind of just it is what it, it is. It is funny but, uh, though, like just watching this last night and then watching the uh, deleted scenes because this movie kind of famously has two versions it seems like everyone is aware of that it's something that is yeah I often think discussed. obviously like i think a whole uh generation of kids that were maybe like a little too young to see it in theaters are super familiar with the televised version right which is which what includes I- the deleted scenes right yeah yeah so like we watched those three scenes you know in order and it's like, oh, yeah, the version I remember had these scenes in it. The version that I watched so many times. Yeah. There's the convenience store sequence fairly early in the film. And then there's a sequence of them outside the Fratelli's restaurant. Which I was reading uh, on Wikipedia, I think it just in the plot synopsis or whatever, that the way the author of this plot synopsis was taking it was that because of that scene in the convenience store is the reason why... Troy, I think, is like driving that way, like as if he was like chasing the kids or something. I don't know. I don't know. And then the third most famous one is the octopus sequence outside of, you know, in the water surrounding One-Eyed Willie's pirate ship, which is the end of the terrible. 
Yeah, and I, I mean, I, I can kind of see why it probably was cut. It doesn't look... The octopus, obviously, is super fake and doesn't look great. And the way they defeat said octopus, not great either. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't really make sense. But, yeah, if if you are if you watched a taped version off of TV a million times like we did, then those are, like, you know, just as much a part of the film as anything else. And I didn't realize until the film came out on DVD... So like years and years and years later, you know, in well into the 2000s when I bought the DVD, I didn't realize that those weren't part of the film itself oh, until yeah. then. Right. And I watched it and I, I, I watched the entire thing and it wasn't until it was over and then maybe not even then until may, I, I might have watched like the audio commentary or something. And then I was like, wait a minute, wasn't there like a whole thing with an octopus? Right. And I, I had one of those crazy moments like... If you've listened to our Honey, I Shrunk the Kids episode, uh, talking yep. about the Honey, I Blew Up the Baby, Honey, I'm I Blew Up the Kids I'm very familiar sequel. with these moments. It, I was like, am I living in an alternate reality? Because <laughs> I know that that scene happened. Uh, a person to insanity, really. It, it's one of those weird things. But at least we know in this case. Now, it's not unheard of for different versions of the film to air on TV. I, I mean, most famously, there's about, what? five versions of the original Blade Runner and some of them are different televised versions that had different scenes added in and then there's other movies where that's happened too where for time purposes or for content purposes or whatever reason they decide to cut in certain scenes that were cut out but I I mean for me it just in my own personal life there's none more glaring than this because the octopus sequence though kind of unnecessary and you know silly to see is kind of like a big insane thing that happens and you're just like oh where is it it's not here yes it's certainly noticeable when it's not there i I don't know for me i do just feel like this is probably the one of any movie where i've actually kind of naturally been involved in that conversation over the course of my life where now it's so it's one of these things that it's just like yeah an easy just check your smartphone thing. But I remember having this conversation about the Goonies like before that era. Yeah, I mean, obviously, like when they were initially airing that, it probably was well in advance of people having the internet. So, I mean, oh, people, yeah. I'm sure people that saw it in the theater might have been confused too. Although, who knows? I mean, it may have been something that was circulated via commercial. True. They may have said yep. like see scenes that weren't in theaters or whatever. You know, there may have been some explanation, but it just seems crazy. Okay. Should we actually get into the movie a little bit or Yeah, I mean, what is there to say? Okay. Well that's it. And we're done. The movie came out in nineteen eighty five, uh directed by Richard Donner, um kind of one of those eighties directors that, you know, directed things Lethal Weapon movies. Um I think he was involved with the Tales from the Crypt series. Superman. Ah, uh, yes. The original with Christopher right. Reeve. Uh, Scrooged. Oh. Things like that. Yeah. He kind of was one of those guys that was like in that Spielberg club with Chris Columbus who wrote the script. And, you know, he obviously uh, directed like Home Alone and those kind of things. This is another one of those ones where Spielberg didn't direct it, but seemingly was very involved. Right. Yeah, I mean, I think later, like, certain actors said that it was, like, co-directed or... Right, which is, like, that poltergeist thing. Yeah, I mean, it seemed like uh, anything that Spielberg was an executive producer on, he definitely had his hands in it pretty heavily. And, you know, it's kind of the story of 
a group of friends who call themselves the Goonies. Uh, it's like their final weekend together before the foreclosure of their homes. So this was uh, always confusing to me as a kid where it's like, I, I don't know. They have like, it's hard to tell what their social status is. Because it kind of seems like, you said lower middle class, which I guess is probably right. But it does, it seems like the goondocks are treated like kind of trashy. Not really. Right. Yeah. I, I mean, mean, it's left kind of ambiguous as to, that's another thing, you know, kind of going with what I was talking about at the beginning about kind of the seemingly sloppy nature of it, but it, it ends up working out. Yeah. Which is kind of, a lot of this stuff is kind of very ambiguous. You don't really weird... know how it's possible that all of these kids' families' houses are being foreclosed on. It's like, yeah, how is just that possible? Demolished to ex- like expand a country club, basically. Yeah, and which is really a great uh, plot point, though. I do enjoy it. Now, I love how uh, their mom, Mike and Brandon, our two brother characters, is hiring someone to help pack up the house, and it's like this little woman who doesn't speak english right that is a bizarre move but the fact that they were like hiring someone to do that i'm like well that to me kind of implies money it seems like if you don't really have yeah i never really thought of it i don't really understand that their houses are being foreclosed on it's like i understand if they're uh being forced to sell basically i don't know (laughs) but (laughs) if houses are going into foreclosure i'm thinking that there's like payments not being made yeah Right. I mean, that's what it seems like to me. Okay. So, and it, but that's what I mean. Like, well, how is that happening to everybody all at once? I right. don't know. But, uh, I guess it's like when the uh, economy. But crashed. it's never. Really it was like clear. Detroit in two thousand nine. It's never really clear though that like all of their homes are being foreclosed on, even though that's what it says on Wikipedia. Again, the movie never is that clear on the specifics of what is happening. So it's like. Is everyone's home getting for? Is it just some of them? Is it just Mikey and Brandon? And if Mikey leaves, he's the glue that holds the friends together. I don't know. I mean, I'm nobody, very much getting the clear. impression. I mean, Mikey makes kind of blanket statements like, yeah. we don't have homes tomorrow. Maybe the rest of them are like, Mikey, we're fine. I mean, <laughs> it's just something they've been telling. But Mikey. it's like, I guess the bank must be involved in this uh, country club as well. Because, I mean. Well, I guess. If it's foreclosed upon, then the country club is buying it after right. or something. I don't know. So they're very involved in the deal. I just, I, I don't know. It's a little bit strange. So we have Mikey and his older brother, Bran. Uh, Josh Brolin. You have Data, um, who kind of fancies himself like a, an Inspector Gadget type character. Right. Now, uh, this is another one of those things that we talked about in the Home Alone episode of just seemingly uh, having these kind of goofy inventions for no reason. That was, that, no, that was like, honey, I shrunk the kids. Oh, shit. Yeah, that's right. That's but, what I meant to say. Yeah, like, uh, what was our example in Honey, I Shrunk the Kids? I think we probably had another. I don't something remember. at the house. Yeah, but this is something. Now, Data very much is part of his character, but they have that whole thing where they're letting Chunk into the house. Yeah, and it's this, it doesn't make any right. sense. Um, you have Mouth, played by Corey Feldman, who's kind of like the... Eddie Haskell of the group, like Babyface is the mom, but he's kind of like a oh, shit yeah. talker. Right. And then you have, of course, Chunk, who is like an overweight klutz, but just hilarious. Right. Just <laughs> so funny. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, you know, later the girls, Andy and Steph, uh, 
which I, if someone ever asked me her name, I know now just from doing a little pre-research from the show, but I don't know that her name is Steph from the movie, maybe at all. Yeah, I don't, I don't really remember her name ever being addressed at any point. Yeah, poor Martha Plimpton. So Bay, though they're all kind of like hanging around, and you know. Mikey's mom doesn't want him to get sick, so he's supposed to stay in the house, and then they go into the attic, and they come across this, like, 1632 doubloon and an old treasure map, you know, supposedly from this famous pirate called One-Eyed Willie, who just so happened to be, like, a local legend that supposedly buried this treasure. Nobody's ever found it. You can see how it's all setting up. (laughs) Right. <laughs> I do like they do build a lot into the backstory, which I enjoy. I, I like that like there was like Brand talks about like yeah, a, several years back like a bunch of people really got into this and like there was this whole search for it and nobody ever came up with anything. Well, yeah, they had to provide some kind of an explanation as to why this they would have this old map, right? And, like you know, it never amounted to anything. Yeah, but yeah, I, I think there was like some supplemental material to the film that went into like a further backstory of One-Eyed Willie, but I can't remember what exactly that even was. <laughs> it was like maybe like a book or a, I don't know. Well, but um, yeah. we don't need that. So, you know, Brandon doesn't really want to let them out because he's not supposed to, but, <laughs> you know, they make their way yeah. around him by tying him up with like some exercising equipment. Right. And uh, very 80s style. Yes. Uh, Brandon rocking just a great look with the bandana the uh, sweatpants with the shorts over top. Yeah, like the uh, soccer shorts over top of sweatpants. Right. I guess we should talk a little bit about the statue, which was oh. always like a funny thing, you know, whenever I was a kid. It's like, oh my God, a penis. But like, they break the penis off the statue, and <laughs> Mikey's like, that's my mom's favorite part. Right. Which is that's an my insane mom's favorite thing to say. That's what he says, yeah. <laughs> uh, which is quite strange, yeah, that really... I'd feel very uncomfortable with the fact that my mom has this nude male art piece on display and has made it public knowledge that it's her favorite piece. <laughs> it's just a weird thing to kind of put out there. Now, is it her favorite piece is the statue or the penis is her favorite piece of the statue? Well, that might be a little intentional pun there, but... Uh, <laughs> I do think that it's supposed to be her favorite art piece. Oh, okay. I never took it that way. Oh, I, I, I don't know. That's talking weird... about the penis. Well, that is funny. <laughs> uh, I feel like maybe that comment should have come from mouth. Like, oh, that was your mom's favorite piece. <laughs> I know. I, it's why I guess it never right. really made sense. I'm like, why is Mikey admitting that? <laughs> His mom's a freak. <laughs> uh, yeah, but that is really strange. And, you know, so eventually the kids take off on their bikes and they let the take air, out, the of, air uh, out of brand's tires so that he can't chase them so he ends up stealing a bike from like oh, a little girl but they also say it took him like 300 lawn mowing jobs to pay for those tires yeah or, or something. something it's like what was he getting paid like 10 cents a lawn <laughs> i mean how much could that have cost in 1985 <laughs> yeah i mean two new if, bike tires even if it was like five dollars a lawn that's still like an insane amount of money yeah i mean i guess the girl that he steals the bike from is data's sister oh yeah because she's right next door and she's asian right well (laughs) we figured that out yeah that little girl is hilarious in the scene though as she just starts stomping immediately (laughs) as he takes the bike but yeah we kind of this leads us 
without the uh, convenience store scene. Right. It cuts right to Bran coming up the hill. Right? Bran riding this little girl bike. It's like pink with a basket and the whole deal. And um, Troy, who's like kind of, br- I guess we're supposed to take him as like Bran's rival. He's like yeah. the rich, rich guy. Jock. He's the son of the guy who's like, you know, in charge of expanding the country club. <laughs> yeah, whatever. Just the generic 80s rich villains, right. you know. And he's with Andy and Steph at the time because I guess they're kind of. It's never really made clear what anybody's relationship is, but it's kind of like it seems like Troy and Bran are like competing for Andy, I guess, and she's kind of spending well, I, time with both. You don't both. really know. It doesn't really feel like uh, Andy and Bran have ever really addressed their relationship before this day. But they do reference that they're going to be going out on a date, though. Okay. All right. Yeah. Well, Bran okay. says that earlier. Yeah. So it seems like maybe he's so- just recently made his move. But she is wearing Troy's sweater right. for much of the film. Yeah, which seems like an incredibly feminine sweater. <laughs> I was like... It's just like a sweater vest. Yeah. It's um, probably the school's colors, so it's a little weird. But uh, Troy just really being like a legendary dude in the pre-Me Too movement era. <laughs> I, I Adjusting mean, the mirror right, to so, look up her skirt. Well, And not even like... trying to be discreet about it at all why would he right he's just throwing it in her face and making it public knowledge now later when andy has that breakdown you know when they're in the tunnels and she's like yeah she's like why wouldn't i just stay with troy so what he wants to look at my body she's basically just justifying that was kind of the prevailing attitude of the time yeah and i mean it's not like like, uh steph who's kind of supposed to be like the smart uh in touch person isn't really like she's just laughing yeah this is so funny well, I mean, no offense, but it's like maybe Steph never really thought she'd ever be hanging out with the cool people Steph in a convertible. Right, yeah. <laughs> She's very much like kind of a, you can see like a little bit where the Barb from Stranger Things character it was inspired. It is very, it is, that dynamic with Andy and Steph is kind of similar. Yeah. Although, I think Martha Plimpton was kind of cute. Yeah. Uh, she did date River Phoenix, at and one she point. does get uh some play in this movie a little bit. So he gra- so they they come up uh, they come upon Brand just riding this bike, and it's like you know they grab his or Troy grabs his arm and is driving him really fast. Well, for some reason Brand's unable to pull away, even though it's like I don't understand how he's really holding on to him, like how Troy's actually able. Oh, to I, yeah, him, it makes whatever, no sense. So, but I mean. He drives him so fast and sends Bran off flying into the woods. Uh, and it's like he would be dead. Projecting him into the air and then down into like uh, a chasm, basically. <laughs> yeah, he would literally be dead. <laughs> yeah, it's like Troy just like straight up murders Bran. I have a. I, I, there's certainly a, a part of the plot that I don't. That I think I'm missing a piece in. And we can get to it when we get to it, but. Is this the last time we see Bran until he emerges in the restaurant with Mikey and them? Yeah, when Mikey's sneaking around. Right. And then he is surprised and like the 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 scare is that you think it's like a fratelli, but it's really Right. Bran. So do we get an explanation as to why Andy and Steph are with him? Uh well I do think that you went to the bathroom when they show up. Okay. Oh, so they show up separate. Right. Okay. And they say that Andy says something like Troy kept adjusting the mirror to look down my shirt, which it's I always not accurate. Yeah. I all, <laughs> even as like a kid, I was I know, like, I was what? Like, I don't. Yeah. 
we were getting a look at it's, those legs. And so she she says that she elbowed him in his lip or something. And so basically they were like and He was like, Get out, bitch. <laughs> That's kind of it. Again, it's kind of that like fly by the seat of your pants storytelling here where it's kind of just like, all right, well, now they're here. Yeah. It's like not really a whole lot of explanation as to the, the logistics. How are everyone, how is everyone finding out that they went to this restaurant? I don't know. Well, I know. It seems like it's kind of in the middle of nowhere a little bit. It's like off the beaten path, like through, the, I mean, criminals are using this place as a hideout and they're keeping dead bodies in it. That's how off the beaten path yeah, it this doesn't even is. look like there's roads right. leading to it anymore. And I love like the the kids when they first come up on it like are talking about, "Oh, this is a summer place." It's like <laughs> it, it's been closed for clearly 60 years. <laughs> so the film actually we didn't even talk about this. The film actually opens with like a jailbreak of Oh, I can't really. I don't really know which Fratelli brother is which. I can't. Yeah, I don't remember. know by, know them by name. I think this one Jake. is certainly uh, the scarier of the two. Yeah, the Fratellis are like a criminal family. They're kind of modeled after like Ma Barker and her family, but like it's Francis, Jake, and Mama, and they're kind of intermixed with the story. Like they've just broken Jake out of prison. They're involved with killing people we don't really know what their business the prison is exactly break, uh kind of actually a cool scene the way it's done uh really kind of shocking that they're able to get away with it as they just pour gasoline in the uh parking lot the one <laughs> dude i mean i can buy the way that he tricks the guard but then he like clearly goes and retrieves his jacket and then like walks out of there i don't know there's no other guards yeah it's kind of like a pretty lame police Hard to force. Explain. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but a pretty fun sequence nonetheless. So even though we're not really entirely sure what these criminals do, we just understand that there are criminals capable of murder and they're kind of using this restaurant as a hideout. You know, the kids eventually work their way into the restaurant kind of pretending as if they're customers even though the restaurant is clearly not open. And then it is always kind of funny that the Fratellis kind of play along with this game. I know. <laughs> as if they wouldn't be like, we're not open, get out. Right. They're kind of like, oh, these kids are customers. And or they're like, like, let's just murder these kids. Yeah, and they're not. And the kids obviously aren't doing like a great job of keeping cool. They're like clearly scared and shaking and falling <laughs> on the floor and making a scene. And it's like. I, I, it, you know, it for the sake of it being a movie, you know, the Fratellis are just like playing along with this ruse for some reason, but it's like it doesn't really make any sense, you know. And they, the Fratellis have another brother named Sloth, who's obviously a famous character from the film, and he's chained, chained to, to the wall, wall in the basement. Uh, this I film, think... this is a time when like a kids' movie could be disturbing. Oh yeah, I, which I like. See, I miss that time, like. Was, there are parts of this movie that like were scary to oh, me as a absolutely. kid. Absolutely, it's like, yeah, sloth is like terrifying at first. Uh, I know. Little did I know at the time when I was seeing it how much I was going to look like him in just a f <laughs> mere fifteen years. But uh, yeah, I mean, you don't know what the deal with sloth is. Mikey at one point just kind of refers to him as an it, a giant it. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's some, like, politically incorrect things. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Which, you know, shouldn't come as a surprise for a movie but that's it's, When you try to figure old. out the backstory on Sloth, really kind of a weird thing. They've just been kind of keeping him around. They treat him like dirt, but 
he's family, so they keep him. He's yeah. kind of like one of those brothers from that X-Files episode we did an episode of this show on. <laughs> Way back. Right. In like the first 10 or yeah. so. <laughs> he's pulling like mama out from under the bed on a fucking <laughs> rollerboard. Oh, God. <laughs> Truly disturbing. That's a reference. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know how much we want to get lost in the weeds of of all the things that happen. I mean, I, think I do. It, <laughs> well, I'd like I mean, to get this in there. episode will be like three hours right. long. Okay. So it's like, you know, there's some hijinks with a corpse in a freezer. <laughs> they uh, Chunk, who's, you know, whose klutziness can always be, be counted on like clockwork. He knocks over a big water cooler thing and that gives gives them the location of the underground tunnel, which is in the fireplace. And they're like, okay, we got to go through the fireplace to get down there because they can hear all the water draining. You know, the Fratellis are in and out of the restaurant at various points. They're hiding. The kids... At, one point sneak back in so then they gotta like hide in the fireplace while the fratellis come in chunk ends up trapped in a freezer (laughs) with the body lock him in there really (laughs) yeah it is funny that like nobody notices chunk is missing until it's way too late and then they're like chunk go get the police go through that window just Go, go get the police. And then they go back down. They're like, where's Chunk? Oh, he's fine. He went to get the cops. With really no clear way of getting out of there. They point to that window, but it's like, it seems like it's going to be a struggle. <laughs> yeah, plus once he gets outside, it's like, how's he ever going to find anything? Yeah. And so eventually, you know, Chunk is captured, recaptured. <laughs> By the Fratellis. Because he makes the mistake of trying to flag down a car and then, as he runs to the driver's side window, just starts, you know, ranting and raving about the Fratelli's hideout and we need the police and blah, blah, blah. And of course, it is the Fratelli's, one of those moves. And they don't straight up, they never, you know, straight up kill Chunk, right. obviously. <laughs> yeah. Even though they have plenty of opportunity to, even once they figure out what's going on and where the other kids are and all that other stuff. Now, the Chunk interrogation scene, really one of the great kind of... <laughs> interrogation scenes in film history when he just ends up going on this long-winded uh confession of all the things that he's done <laughs> confessing all of his pushing crimes. his sister down the stairs <laughs> and blaming it on the dog <laughs> just some really hilarious real life stories right. that are just so good and i mean they would again they would never let a character that is supposed to be like a good guy say that he pushed his sister down the stairs they would maybe let the fake vomit thing through because gross out stuff still kind of seems to be allowed yeah like the fact that he pushed his sister down the stairs and blamed (laughs) it on the dog i I mean that can be really dark (laughs) yeah she died yeah (laughs) that's the part they they actually cut out but was in the script yeah but i mean chunk is just so funny like there's a part where he's you know, the for some reason, the Fratellis have, like, a freezer full of ice cream, and he's trying to eat the right. ice cream, and they take the ice cream away, but he's still got the spoon with the ice cream on it, so then he's, like, desperately trying to put the spoon in his mouth, and they pull the spoon away, and he oh, starts no. to cry. Yeah. It's, like, it's just brilliant. I mean, this kid is top-notch. So, eventually, or I guess pretty immediately, he gives away their plan, and the Fratellis decide to venture down... And so begins the kind of chase sequence that lasts for the rest of the film. Yeah, I mean, basically, it's kind of this tug of war going on between Mikey, 
who is obsessed who be who gradually over the course of the film kind of becomes obsessed with one-eyed willie kind of this strange annoying optimist like yeah he's definitely this doing a lot of like optimist association that people are just like wait you somehow feel connected to this uh imaginary pirate okay we'll go along with it well, yeah, he almost begins like talking to the spirit of One Eye Willie, and he's like, "We're on your trail," and all this stuff. And it's, it, it it gradually grows and grows and grows to the point, you know, when they finally get to One Eye Willie, where he's like talking to him, and he's in tears. I mean, it's bizarre. But so, and the rest of the group, who's basically just going along because they have to at this point, right. because they're running for their lives, and you know, all the while they're trying to do things to get out of the tunnel and get to freedom and get to safety. You know, they're banging on those pipes and causing the commotion at the uh, country Country club. club. And they are yelling up to Troy and his buddies who are just casually hanging out at a wishing well together. Like the cover (laughs) of a fucking Jan and Dean album or something. I mean, Troy is making his way around town, really, because he was also taking a dump at the country club. With his underwear on. Yeah. Which is, I don't know, there's a lot of weird things going on with Troy. But yeah, then just like three dudes hanging out around the wishing well together. <laughs> yeah, there's a part where Troy is taking a shit. It's like you at and the me at Century Club. 3. And the joke is because they're banging on the, the pipes and they're pushing on the pipes and doing all this shit that... By the way, several old nude men about to shower together. Well, it's a kind of a weird club. thing. Yeah. And so Troy goes and sits down on this toilet... And he's reading guns and ammo. And then, of course, the joke is the toilet explodes upward and he gets shot up by a thing of water into the ceiling. But I guess in order to be able to film this for full comedic effect, they needed to show him actually getting shot up into the air. It's like, well, how do you have a character? You can't, like, show his wiener and stuff. I mean, it's well, I wouldn't, I would a PG say not. movie. might even be G. It's probably PG. And so... They just have him wearing like these red underwear, and it's like, well, what are the logistics there? Does he just cut out a hole in the back of his underwear to let the turds out? I mean, what is happening back there? I don't know. I guess it's the uh, upper middle class of Astoria, really kind of. They just leave their underwear on. Yeah. At all. He's I mean, a never nude. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so on their little quest through the tunnels, like one of the first things they encounter is the dead body, the the, the skeleton of Chester Copperpot, the last known person to make a real run at the treasure and went missing and they really kind of undersell this skeleton they're like oh this is fine well the girls i mean they all kind of freaked out but i freak out but with the skeletons but yeah i mean or he was killed by a trap and this is one of the first yeah and he's like a professional right guy i don't really know what you would call him but like a guy who came equipped with everything like an indiana jones almost uh, yeah, well, like a broke without ass. a whip or a gun, <laughs> like a broke ass Indiana Jones. Yeah, and I mean he got killed by one of the booby traps, and that's <laughs> the whole. Yeah. I mean, for people who aren't familiar with the movie, I mean that's the whole deal. Is one eye Willie stole all this treasure? He was pursued by the King's Armada. I guess made it all the way to Astoria on a pirate ship. Ended up getting trapped in a, an enclosed area, and then the armada like bombarded him in and and you know somehow blew up the walls to entrap him in this like underground cave and then uh spent the next five or six years creating all these booby traps and stuff to protect his treasure and then killed all of his men yeah it's like that's always Um, the thing with pirates it's like what good is the treasure if you're never gonna use it it's a weird thing 
It's kind of weird to think that he built the booby traps out this far from the boat. I mean, yeah, he really, I mean, who? he was traveling quite far to hold or to string up giant boulders from the ceilings. Well, yeah, and it's kind of strange because it's like, well, wouldn't there be more than one way to get there? You would think. Especially once you find out where this place is. And it seems unlikely that this is a place that would have never been found before. Because it's huge. It's like this right. huge cavernous uh, area. Cove, well, that's been closed we'll in. Yeah. We'll get to it. So, yeah, I mean, but that's, I guess, you know, the, the group is kind of buoyed by Mikey's optimism. Oh, yeah. Keeps like they going. Think, like, they're going to somehow do a better job than Chester Copperpot. And then, you know, not that long after, Mikey uses the Chester Copperpot as like a positive. <laughs> because he's like, well, we've made it farther than him. Yeah. <laughs> We're almost there. You know, because they come across like a wishing well. Which really, well. you'd never have like any sense of, I mean, he's got the map, but it's really not that clear what's going on. Now, I think one of the next stops they have is like in that chamber where they all decide they have to go to the bathroom, mm-hmm. and uh, which leads to Mikey kind of getting busy a little bit with Andy. Yeah, I mean, I feel like we haven't really addressed the, the weird whole, the kind whole of- Andy of it of it all the andy brand mikey love triangle that's going no, just, on you know how we've had uh mikey sitting on brand's lap early in the movie <laughs> well i will say that we referenced andy in other episodes and you know carrie green the actress that plays her really didn't have much of a career beyond the 80s i mean she was in lucas a movie that i showed you for the first time right and it was quite the experience yeah where she also kind of kisses a younger kid yeah that's true it's kind of her go-to i guess (laughs) but uh yeah i mean in this sequence she's calling for bran because she wants to kiss bran yeah it seems like they've kind of gotten close to that point before but they've never kissed and so she really they were kind of gonna go right for it in the basement of this yeah. Kind of dirty restaurant. I don't really know. It seems like she genuinely likes Bran. Yeah. And the whole thing with Troy, we don't get like a full backstory on. But I mean, especially if you take into account the convenience store scene, which is cut from the actual cut of the film. But if you take that into consideration, plus the thing in the car, it's like she has to see that Troy is just a dick. A world-class uh, douche. Yeah. I mean, Andy seems like a pretty wholesome girl right i don't think that like she's the type that would be okay with how troy is acting yeah i mean (laughs) so she's like into bran and obviously you know there's circumstances that are beyond their control like bran's family's house being foreclosed upon and him having to vacate the city but (laughs) (laughs) but you know they want to have this chance to connect and she wants to kiss him so she's like i'm gonna take this chance right now so she call she keeps calling him and he, and Bran is just like says to Mikey, go see what she's bragging about, will you? <laughs> so yeah. Mikey goes over Brand, there, uh, barely just on the cusp of kind of like getting it going with Andy, and already just so annoyed. annoyed. Yeah. <laughs> well, I guess in his defense, I will say that the girls, you know, have been screaming and carrying on and going crazy about everything every two seconds. So it, you know. He's probably like, it's probably like a spider or a skull or something. And, you know, so 
Mikey goes over and then she she's like, I'm over here with my eyes closed. <laughs> <laughs> and so Mikey just like turns the corner and then she grabs him and starts kissing him. Just plants one on him. And Steph, he's just like the whole thing says nothing. Yeah, never really reveals it. It isn't reveal, and like it isn't really fully understood until she kisses Bran again later, and she's like, "Where are your braces?" Right. But yeah, I mean, which she couldn't. I don't know. If you're curious about it, wouldn't you like kind of look next time he smiles? There's or something? a lot going on, yeah, and they're in the true. dark. The stakes are high. Meanwhile, while the Goonies are kind of navigating all of these different booby traps and going in from one room to another, and all these different things are happening, and kind of bonding even further the fratellis have locked chunk up in the same room with sloth and at first chunk is completely terrified but i guess they kind of make a connection pretty quick over a baby ruth bar well yeah i mean (laughs) and so chunk tries to give the baby joy to chunk or to sloth and throws it at him and hits him in his head (laughs) <laughs> and of course he's like reacting insane and so Chunk is scared again but then Sloth <laughs> proceeds to rip his chains out of the wall <laughs> just so he can get the baby root. Well, I can't can't say I haven't been there. <laughs> and so now Chunk takes it well no, I guess Chunk is trying to call the police but Sloth is going crazy and it ends up ripping the phone out of the wall because of oh, it. Oh right, and, yeah. And then Sloth can hear his echo down the tunnel that everyone's gone down, including the Fratellis now. And so he's hearing this echo, and he's chasing it. And Sloth is trying to get him to stop, but now Sloth and Chunk are now in pursuit, I guess. Right. Uh, and they've formed, like, a pretty hilarious yeah. duo. I mean, <laughs> as soon as you see all of the characters and everything's kind of established, I mean, it only makes sense right. to put Chunk and Sloth together. Yes. It's like a great tag team. It's like once it happens, you're like, yes, this is of exactly course. what we needed. But uh, so after the little whatever restroom kissing incident, I think the next thing. Then they- all the guys, you know, get their dicks out and they fuck her one after another. Yeah. Oh, no, this isn't it. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it's like an underground orgy, just like it. So, yeah, Steph is just kind of off to the side. No, watching. she's getting used up, yeah, too. Right. <laughs> um, they make their way to the uh, wishing well. The aforementioned where Troy and his buds are just kind of hanging around. God only knows what they were doing. Right. And when you get a look at it, there's nothing around it. It's just a wishing well. They've driven up to a wishing well and they're just three dudes hanging out. Yeah. (laughs) But we strangely get... And let's let's be honest. Troy is like a touch effeminate. Oh, so there's like absolutely. It's it's possible they were all blowing each other out there. I think we know what's going on there. But... I like the like, strange I'm gonna make it with Andy. kind of turn that everyone's attitude takes in this wishing well scene because it's kind of a pivotal scene. Well, they think this is kind of their first glimpse at the quote unquote rich stuff. They think that they've kind of found something here because they see all these Imagine coins. Imagine if they would have thought, hey, why don't we start this adventure at the wishing well? Right. The Fratellis wouldn't be involved. They would have skipped over a lot of the booby traps. Yeah. Could have been easier. Yeah. Now, I do think them getting out of the wishing well via bucket was going to be a hard uh There's no task. way it would have worked. Right. <laughs> anyway, so... They- so, yeah, they call up out of the wishing well. Troy's up there. Troy's like, is that Andy? Is that you? <laughs> and then, you know, they're going to, you know, send the bucket down. They're all going to go up. And this is when Mikey gives his impassioned speech. Oh, yeah. Up there. 
It's their time down here. It's our time. It's, it's our, our time. time down here. Right. <laughs> down here. No one knows what the hell Mikey's talking about. Chester Copperpot. Chester Copperpot. Have kind of uh, completely turned here. Some people are like, let's take the coins. Some people are like, why are we taking the coins? These are a bunch of pennies. Mouth completely loses his mind and is like, yes, these were people's dreams. But this one right here was my dream. And then he throws himself into the water. No, he's like, I'm taking it back. I'm taking them all back. And then he just goes underwater. (laughs) Fucking existential mouth out of nowhere. Why did he go underwater? It doesn't even make sense. The water's like two feet deep. He could just reach in the water. I like when uh, Steph just kind of picks a couple moments to really like, be emotional and in- involved and this scene's one of them because she's kind of one of the people like you can't take these these are people's dreams and then <laughs> at the end there's another part well i'll talk about it whenever we get to the boat but like out of nowhere she like flips the fuck out on mikey like where yeah. the fuck's the treasure mikey you, yeah. you talked us all up this whole time well yeah i mean they kind of position stuff and and mouth to have like this adversarial thing the whole movie where it's supposed to kind of be like i mean they're too young for it to be like sexual tension but it's kind of like that kind of tension where they're they're too alike to not actually get along right so they're they're working their way to that getting along phase where it's like a bumpy road they both like to be kind of the observational sarcastic uh character of the group and they're like yeah but is there really room for two (laughs) (laughs) so you know troy is expecting andy to come up the bucket first and mikey gives his speech uh troy really uh not a big opinion of how much andy weighs Right, because they pull this bucket all the way up, and it's not until it gets up there and it's just Troy's sweater that they realize that Andy wasn't in it. And he's like, what? Andy, you goonie! Right. (laughs) It's like, well, was Andy's house being foreclosed on? Yeah, well, no, but she's now, she's chosen her side. She's cherry balancing Troy. Oh, okay. See? All right. Yeah, you like that. Yeah, just 80s. Queens, really. Cherry Valance oh, and Andy. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> Diane know, Lane and that other girl. Carrie Green. Not quite the same career trajectories. Well, I, I like to think that Carrie Green made like a conscious choice. Yeah, I would say so, too. I'm now, sure she's doing well. Just a fun fact. Uh, I guess like Donner and Spielberg really liked Heather Langenkamp for uh, Annie, which oh, you can yeah. see because Langenkamp's got that wholesome... Very oh. cute girl next door kind of look. Definitely. And I it's strange because she would have been in Nightmare on Elm Street before this. Now I'm guessing that that, that didn't bother them. And they kind of were really leaning towards Langenkamp, but they were very hung up on the fact that she was already 20 and the character is supposed to be 17. And, you know, even Josh though... Josh Brolin... 35 (laughs) even though people are often older than the parts they play i guess they couldn't get around this and so they ended up you know not giving it to langenkamp and so spielberg kind of has a history of keeping people in mind that he almost casts in things if you look at any you know any histories of his movies you'll always see these kind of things referenced and how he brings people back that were almost this part and then he gives them a part in something else or whatever and so 
He went so far as to keep Langenkamp in mind and offer her the part of Dr. Ellie Sadler in Jurassic Park, a part made famous by Laura Dern. Oh, yeah. And she had to turn it down because she was already committed to doing Wes Craven's new nightmare. The, you know, the <laughs> comeback of her character from the Nightmare on Elm Street series. We can appreciate her loyalty, though. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. That's a big miss, though. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, I don't know. I mean, she may have already signed a contract i mean it okay made, i right. don't know if there You're was right. a choice involved really yeah. other than uh, but who knows but yeah <laughs> what could have been for Langenkamp? a career changing film possibly although i will say that even though spielberg's one of the biggest directors of all time i, I would say a lot of people that are cast in his movies don't really that's, ever go that's on to much. so i mean i don't know if it really would have changed all that much maybe not more people would know who she was could have opened some doors though that's true, but uh, you know, I, not that I I like New Nightmare. I, I mean, you know, I think it's cool. Okay, here I we mean, go. It's not the classic, obviously, of, of a Jurassic Park. But, so there you have it, New Nightmare. But yeah, just some fun facts there. So you know, let's let's get to it. They the last little obstacle they have to get through is this uh, kind of insane. Uh, organ made out of bones and like skeletal remains now it's, it's, weird. it's something like out of an ossuary from cemetery man right or something and i know we always uh jump on this thing where it's like oh, okay well we missed something who cares we don't need to go back but i do think with this scene and then the one that we didn't talk about was that like hole that data falls in and uses the stupid fucking teeth thing the pinches of get, peril right uh <laughs> But it's just one thing that's very quickly skipped over is how everyone gets down that hole. It's this plummet yeah. to these spikes. And it seems like that would be uh, a tough. Even if you're climbing down a rope, it's like if you fall dead. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I mean, they do rush over some things. It's, yeah. it's the type of things, though, that like the demographic that this movie is for would never care about. Yeah, exactly. Us. um so once we get to the kind of this organ made of bones this is when the fratellis are finally caught up to them and they're about to catch them basically and the whole thing is mouth is able to translate spanish so he's been able to kind of figure out what the map says and now they have to play these notes on this organ to open the door to get to the next part and if they mess up too many times uh the earth kind of falls away and they would fall to their death. Right. Uh, one, and really, they have to keep playing really because... The, just a skilled uh, engineer. I mean, putting a trap like this together. I know. This seems... Well, they had a lot of... They had endless amounts of time. That's apparently. true. <laughs> and, um, you know, of course, in this situation, they have to keep going. They have to play the notes. Right. Because and, the uh, Fratellis are right there with a gun. So they're dead either way. They're like, Andy used to play piano, right? So this is Andy's moment to shine, and she took piano. Now, this is a thing that always kind of confused me. Um, and, you know, the rules aren't laid out anywhere, so it's like, who knows what's happening. But, okay, so there's Please. a bunch of notes on the back of the map. They put the notes up, and she's trying to play them on the organ. She plays the first chord or note correct, so the little drawbridge door opens a little bit. The second note thing, she plays incorrect, and a piece of the ground falls away, and I think Mouth almost falls to his death. Uh-huh. So at that moment, does she move on to the third note, or does she have to keep playing the second note until she I gets don't know. it right? But what she gets another one. She gets two wrong in a row, Yeah, which could play into this. 
did she try that one again? <laughs> I don't know. It's never clear. Because whenever it finally gets down to the point where there, no more of the ground can fall away. Right. And they only need probably they only need one more correct note to get it to fall. They they show Andy looking at that last note and she it it's kind of faded and part of the map is gone and it's hard to tell what it is. And they're pointing at the last note, even though there's a million notes before it, and she's only played five. Anything that I've ever said, and by ever I mean throughout the course of this podcast, trashing Mikey in any way, it is deserved. But (laughs) I'll say this about him. Uh, When the stakes are high, he keeps his fucking cool. He's like DiCaprio in The Departed. His hand does not shake. I mean... (laughs) She, they're like one more false move, uh, and and we're dead or whatever. And he actually has kind of the wherewithal to make kind of a pretty good pun here when uh, she says, "I can't tell if this is uh, A sharp or B flat." And he goes, "Well, if you get it wrong, we're all gonna be flat." <laughs> Zach Schoendorf, everybody, <laughs> and she, uh, you know. I think even Annie's like a little bit like, woof. All right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> she's like, you know, later when he she figures out that she cool made out with him, ice. she's yeah. like, yeah, I don't regret it. <laughs> yeah, that line is great. Another line is whenever the Fratellis come across uh, Chester Copperpot and um, one of the guys, not Joe Panaleone, but the other yeah, one, he guy. takes the wallet and he's like, do you think the kids cleaned him out or whatever? Because oh, the wallet's empty. Right. And Mama's like, yeah, right after they ate him <laughs> or something like that. I mean, just like, what? <laughs> just an insane line. Um, So she gets it right just at the last possible minute. I mean, Data was able to hold off the Fratellis for a minute with like his giant boxing glove yeah. that he kept in his coat the entire time, apparently. <laughs> it's like, why, what? Yeah, that didn't um, really seem uh, like it'd make you very aerodynamic. For, or, yeah, I right. mean, not practical. But uh, uh, apparently getting wet and soaked doesn't ruin all of his like inventions because they've been you know, completely doused by water several times to this point. Right, and would be again in this following sequence where going across this drawbridge uh, leads them to these, like, tunnel slides, right? It's basically now what uh, the way, way back at this point. Yeah, what Continue uh, to hold? natural thing exists in the world that replicates, like, a water slide? <laughs> like, what would this be? I don't know. And you know what, what is I... it supposed to be? I don't know. Uh, <laughs> Rock? Where are they at? Uh, is it when they go into the like wishing well sequence where they walk in and Mikey's just like, wow, you guys, a beautiful waterfall. <laughs> yeah, yeah. When him and Andy are holding hands. Right. Oh, look, a beautiful waterfall. <laughs> yeah. That, we didn't even mention that slick move where he's oh, yeah. like, this could be scary. Hold my, like, hold my hand. Right. <laughs> even though he's probably, it's, it's like him that's scared. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. I will say when I used to watch this movie, when I, I was a kid, I used to think about this. It's like, well, there's been so many points where there's like a hole and there's like spikes or something that you're going to plummet to your death. I would think while I'm sliding down this thing. What are we sliding? Towards? Right. Yeah. No, no, no concern. <laughs> where is that water coming from? Because it's yeah. like they just came from that drawbridge that was like all rock. And it's a kind of a cut to them all sliding. Yeah, and then all of a sudden they're just going down slides, and they all kind of come out different holes, you know, 
off of a cliff into this giant like uh, I guess it's part of the ocean. I don't really know what this water is. Yeah, I, I don't know. Yeah, because it's like a bay that's been enclosed. Yeah, I mean, uh, obviously this was like a giant set that they built, and they kept the kids from seeing the pirate ship until it was time to shoot it, and they tried to get like their natural reaction to it. Although, although I guess they had to redo it because Josh Brolin just yelled out like "Holy shit" or something. Which I mean, they do oh, say wow. shit in the movie, yeah. but I, I don't know. Maybe yeah, they, they could have kept too that. many shits, right? But yeah, I mean. It's an unbelievable set. It's something that you that they would probably do all by computer now, and it would look terrible. Oh, I know. But like they built a giant pirate ship inside like a giant soundstage and filled it with like nine hundred thousand gallons of water and all this shit. I Holy mean, it's shit. unbelievable. Yeah, I know. It looks incredible. But uh, <laughs> then they ruin it with that octopus in that deleted <laughs> scene. Yeah, the octopus isn't great. <laughs> but they get on the boat and. Right away, they haven't even really given a chance to explore the whole thing before they're like, "All right, Mikey, where is it, huh? Where is it?" I mean, you th- as if like this pirate ship itself wouldn't be like insanely worth something, valuable. right? Uh, but at this point, Steph has this reaction that I'm like, I can only compare it to Scary Movie One, where <laughs> okay, the uh, after they kind of like hit the guy and it's doing like the "I know what you did last summer" scene, and one of the characters picks up a shoe and goes oh it's a shoe and someone goes where's the foot (laughs) it's like that kind of reaction from her out of nowhere like where the hell is it mikey like she has not been invested in this uh, well they're all wet and tired and scared and they were almost killed by the fratellis i mean she maybe she just snapped yeah well i understand and mikey didn't deliver and he's kind of lost hope on this a little bit but then, I don't know, they find this other chamber. Yeah, well, yeah, eventually they find the secret uh, main room with, all, with like, One-Eyed Willie's skeleton and, some, I guess, His some whole of the damn other main, crew. main pirates, and that's where all the treasure is. And Mikey goes it up is weird alone when you look and at has the a moment with One-Eyed Willie. The way that uh, people are dead, though, because it's like, before they even get to the chamber, there's dead people with swords in them and shit, and it's like... Did One-Eyed Willie kill everyone and no one stopped him? It was maybe, maybe it was like a Joker from the Dark Knight True. situation. Yeah. He, he tricked one person to kill one, you know, right. down a line. Yeah. Who knows? Yeah, we don't really understand exactly what, what happened here. I mean, maybe it was a giant battle and then and they all died or whatever <laughs> a giant battle with each other yeah this, they're all like, were yeah. going crazy after oh, a certain true, that's time. true not a lot of women running around no <laughs> i wonder yeah i wonder if when i willy had any uh wenches on board i don't know it's a good question <laughs> hopefully they had their tubes tied or they were just giving birth down there in the cave <laughs> their pussies were wore the fuck out <laughs> Uh, so that was, yeah, that's a uh, Spielberg comment on the audio commentary. (laughs) So, yeah, I mean, as they're kind of like grabbing up all the treasure, Mikey wants to leave like these certain little things for One-Eyed Willie. And it's almost as if he has like kind of a preternatural understanding of One-Eyed Willie and he can almost sense that. He kind of refers to him as uh, like the original Goonie. Yeah, he's like... We got to leave that for one, I believe. And of course, later when the Fratellis grab it, that sets off like a whole other booby trap thing that ends up making the entire cave collapse. Which is like, if they were able to do that, why didn't they just leave? I don't. Why know. did they? Why did one I Willie no and sense. all those people stay yeah. there and die? I mean, it's it's crazy. But whatever. So they, 
uh, were safe with the treasure, and now no one could get it. What were they eating for five years? I don't know. What were they drinking if that's salt water? It's a good point. Oh, my God. Now I understand why people hate this movie. (laughs) It doesn't make any sense. (laughs) Uh, So the Fratellis show back up and bring them back out to the main deck and are like, empty all the jewels. Now, I mean, this thing is like loaded with gold and jewels. They could have kind of let these kids just probably get away with some of it. Well, they're criminals. They can't do that. That's true. Uh, Uh, Yeah. They make them walk the plank. Well, yeah, they make uh, Andy Andy walk the plank first and... Her hands are tied, so she's like gonna fall in and drown. And <laughs> Bran, uh, the real <laughs> hero here, Bran runs by everyone, and I love how like Mama has her sword at that point, and she's forcing Andy off the plank, and then like Bran runs by and kind of pushes her out of the way, and he's like, "Get out of the way!" <laughs> Just jumps <laughs> into the water. That was I told you when we were watching it. That is a scene that my sisters and I rewound like a million times because we just thought it was so funny. Right. He's like, get out of the way. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, he saves Andy. And, you know, eventually when all hope is lost, Chunk and Sloth show up. And this is the famous, hey, you guys part. Saves the day. Uh, You know, you can see like all the different things. It's like, you know, Mouth is watching like a car chase at the beginning of the film. And it's from like, I think some like it hot or something. And. And, you know, as that's happening, the actual car chase with the Fratellis and the police uh-huh. are going on outside. And then, of course, uh, Sloth, who's chained to the wall, is watching a pirate movie. And a guy, you know, sticks a sword or a knife in a sail and slides down to the deck of the ship. Yes. And then Sloth does the same thing. And, you know, he saves the kids because he hates his family because they've been assholes to him. Right. And- we kind of get a little bit of the backstory there because Mama talks about dropping him a couple times on his head and Sloth touches his deformed face. And yeah, you're like, he's putting it together. You're like, how fucked up was he originally? Was he like almost normal and then they fucked him up by dropping I don't know. him so many right. times? Uh, and then they just feel so loyal to him that they need to bring him around to whatever hangout they're staying at and chain him to the wall. Where Where is the father in all this mix? Well, that's a good question. Did they all have the same father, I guess, is the big question. Uh, I'm going to say no on that one. Mama had quite a busy youth. <laughs> yeah, she lo- she's a woman who looks like she's seen some things. Yeah. You know, so the Fratellis have taken all the treasure back, and, you know, when, when they're trying to get all the treasure off the ship, that's when um, they set off, like, the big booby trap. And Sloth is able to hold up a, a giant rock on his back and it allows the kids to escape the cave. All escape uh, kind of to the beach. Yeah, and... There's it, cops there on four-wheelers. Yeah, eventually, you know, they're rescued and the cops show up and the parents are called and blah, blah, blah. And then the Fratellis finally emerge with Sloth and they're taken captive and it doesn't... For some reason, it doesn't seem like everything's going to work out because, you know, Troy and his dad show up and they want... Mikey's dad to sign the papers. By the way, when uh, Chunk's dad shows up, you find out that they wear the exact same outfit, which is kind <laughs> yeah. of a cool move. Chunk's family brings him a Domino's pizza <laughs> to the beach, and, uh, which is unbelievable. Chunk just announcing to Sloth, like, hey, you're going to come live with us now. Not <laughs> yeah, even we never saw a conversation his with his parents. Right. Uh, I mean, I'm sure their parents would be like, no. I mean, we do have an extra room, but have you seen him? <laughs> Uh, I guess we should mention like when Sloth initially saves them on the pirate ship and all the kids are jumping to safety off of the boat. 
as Stephanie or as Steph walks or goes by Mama, she like points to the ceiling and Mama looks and then she just punches her in the face. <laughs> imagine being Oh yeah. Imagine like a grown woman being punched in the face by like a sixteen year old girl. <laughs> it's like hilarious. But um yeah, I mean So they're now Mikey's in this dad is final about to sign, showdown, yeah. Yeah, Mikey's dad is about to sign this thing and it's like I don't know. Even as a kid I was like, Well, you know where the treasure is. It's like right there. The Fratellis are being arrested now. Just go get it. Like I, I, I never understood what what the problem was, and then it kind of comes down to well, Mikey put some jewels in Which, his uh, marble bag. Rosalita discovers the uh, yeah unsung hero of the film as she starts saying something in Spanish, which mouth translates to us as no sign. Yeah, eventually uh, no pen, him, no right. Yeah. Causing him to leap into action and rip up the contract. No, he doesn't rip up the contract. Uh, well, he grabs the pen out of his hand. Oh, and that's then right. Yeah. Takes yeah. it and runs it along the front of Troy's dad's <laughs> jacket. Yeah, that's a legendary move. Right. And uh, yeah, so she pulls out the jewels. Now, no appraiser on site. We don't know what the value of well, these actual We don't know how much money are. they actually needed. Maybe it would... It was something that was almost attainable, and this would be true. Like plenty. Um, something, but that- it's also like they're kind of implying that no one's houses will need to be sold now. Right. Well, something that I came across uh, while doing like the uh, initial research for this was like an old maritime scavenge or salvage law, okay. which is that if you find a ship that's abandoned in the ocean and you retrieve anything from that ship and bring it to shore, then you are entitled to the everything on the ship. Okay. I guess it was a way to make things like easier. That way you wouldn't have disputes over like different people running out to it after it was, you know what I mean? I don't know. Right. So technically kind of a fun law under that law. (laughs) It's like Mikey owns everything from the ship, which is like all the treasure that was still there. Yeah, trying although to, trying to collect that back would be a hard. Yeah, because at that point, that's when the ship, like in kind of like a dramatic, great moment, right. is kind of just sailing on its own out of the cave into the uh, into the open ocean, and that cop is like, "Holy Mary, Mother of God!" Yes, which is like one of the famous lines from this, at least in my mind. Oh yeah, certainly memorable from uh, my childhood uh, watchings of this movie. Did you ever play that um, Nintendo game Goonies Two? I did not. Oh man, there was. I remember like, a... like seeing like the actual cartridge at like people's houses, but yeah, I never played that one. I would say that there was like a time period, and this was like not that long ago. Well, I, <laughs> I guess it is now because God, time just goes by so fast. It was probably summer of like oh six. <laughs> Twelve years ago, I know, and I'm like, it's not that long ago <laughs> that like. We had a Nintendo, and we would, like, play old games. I remember it was, like, Regis and I would play it all the time, and, like, Russ. And, like, we played that Goonies 2 game endlessly, and it was fucking terrible and impossible. <laughs> oh, it was one that's of those, the thing about all old video games. Yeah, those, there were, were so, so many hard. of those Nintendo games that were unbeatable. They were just made unbeatable because they didn't even test them. They just wanted to get them out and make the money. Well, this has been an hour and a half, so we can probably wrap yeah. it up. So... You know, everything is end up saved. In the end, they end up getting the treasure, and, you know, everything's great. Yeah, it's a fun I've time. Off, you know, it's one of those movies that every now and then 
you'll hear rumors of a sequel. It's been brought up and talked about, I would say, easily over the last, what year is this, 2018? Mm-hmm. The last 18 years. Yeah. There, it's always, it gets brought up every now and again that, right. the, uh, that there would be a sequel. It's never happened. I don't really know what that would be. Yeah, that's kind of a weird I think, thought. <laughs> I think Spielberg's involvement in it has probably been what's protected it from a remake. Yeah. I don't know. It is bizarre. I Some things it's just like, just let it be. I, again, I never feel like having a reboot or a, a sequel down the line like in any way ruins the original movie, but it's just like... If what they, do we re- how I it just wouldn't really be anything like this. If they could dig Carrie Green out of retirement. Well, then I'd definitely be in. <laughs> I'd like to see like a, a sequel where like Andy Dig Carrie Green out of the ground. Andy Andy and Bran are married and have kids. And they have like, like nine kids. And they're the Goonies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that's the Goonies, folks. Um you find out that the goondocks uh, were torn down fucking two years later. Yeah. <laughs> that country club was, like, now is half the town. <laughs> Mikey died and... Yeah. Leukemia. Mal- <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> Mouth was, like, brutally raped. Um, <laughs> Which maybe I shouldn't joke about with That's Corey true, Tom. yeah. That's um, a little too real. So, yeah, but the leukemia joke was fine. <laughs> well, everyone knows Sean Astin went on to be a live fat a very pig. healthy life. <laughs> a little too healthy, yeah. if you ask me. <laughs> a lot of In-N-Out Burger. Yeah, I mean, I definitely think that like the the creators of Stranger Things kind of, when it comes to some of the adult roles in the first two seasons, have kind of gone for like dream casting from things that they were fans of when they were probably kids. Cause I would imagine they're probably guys that are like the Duffer brothers are probably like around our age or so. Right. Maybe a little older. And like when getting like Winona Ryder, who I'm sure they had a massive crush on to be in it was like a dream. And then they get Sean Astin to be in season two. Oh yeah. And they even get, you know, what's his face, uh, in season one. I can't remember his name, but anyway, um, you know, so I definitely think with like the new it and with uh Stranger Things, you know, the legacy of Goonies lives on. I don't appreciate people trying to downplay its significance because I mean it's not like it's supposed to be, you know, some super serious Oscar movie that is is changing the way people think yeah, about the world. It's not the deer it's hunter just like people. a fun yeah i mean it's just like a fun adventure movie and they don't really make movies like that anymore or that have that same kind of feeling and you know that that kind of thing died out at some point in the 90s and it's it's kind of just a relic of another time there there are like a a few things that are like some bad effects in this obviously the octopus gets cut out uh we have a sequence with some bats that doesn't look great but for the most part it's like a lot of fun adventure with a lot of like real sets, the on location shooting. It's just getting that natural uh, production quality that you just don't really see too much filmmaking like these days. Yeah, I mean, even though there's like some aspects of it that look insanely fake, oh, it yeah. ultimately <laughs> feels so much more real than right. most movies because there's no CGI, there's no pretend 
like reality to it it's it feels like grounded in a real place in a real time and a real world there's something even that i just love about that final sequence when they're on the beach and they're all wearing like the dark like police jackets and stuff i don't know what it is but it's just such a great kind of final sequence there yeah so andy we love you (laughs) (laughs) yeah man i'm gonna have to like rewatch lucas too bad that dvd i have skips at the end yeah it skips like the last 40 minutes of the movie it's not 40 minutes <laughs> it's like the last 10 minutes all right all right so, so anyway we're heading for listening up. yep uh i didn't know if we were gonna do like one last hey we're on our way to episode 100 well you just did it right. <laughs> uh as always you can follow the show on twitter and Grace pod and let us know what you're thinking i think you know obviously we joked about it but, you know, after we finally get past episode 100, if you want to send a lot of requests yeah, via Twitter or via any other we'll mandate. revisit that. Yeah, I mean, like we said, I think we discussed this in some yeah. way that, you know, we wouldn't necessarily do this, but we were open to this. Yes. Um, and uh, that'll do it, I guess. So, anything else? No. All right, we'll see you next time.